to see uh, for me in researching this book what she was writing uh, that readers are familiar with, maybe in some of her letters, etc., but then to see what was in her journal and her, her passionate love for Jim, her, I don't know how many of us could have lasted through a five-year courtship where he could not make up his mind whether God intended him to be <laughs> single or not. You know, uh, many of us would have gone running. Um, but the way that she, she was determined in everything in her life, even when she was young, to kind of put it before God. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson, and today I'm privileged to have Ellen Vaughn on the phone line. Ellen has written an exciting new book called Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. We'll be talking about that today, and she is a New York Times bestselling author and speaker. She's been very busy writing through the years. She's written or co-written 23 books so uh, I can't imagine that must be interesting to delve into all that, uh, Ellen. And uh, we'll talk about that later. But you are the former vice president of executive communications at Prison Fellowship. And that was uh, Chuck Colson's ministry. And uh, she collaborated with the late Chuck Colson on a number of his seminal works. Ellen lives in Northern Virginia. Her husband is a regional pastor for McLean Bible Church. So, Ellen, welcome to Charisma Connection. Oh, Chris, it's great to be with you. So you have had quite an exceptional writing career, have you not? Well, you're kind to say that. It's a wonderful thing when you get to do what you love. And God has given me a great path over the years to work on a number of projects that have Hopefully, we'll give glory to him and what he's been doing in the world. Amen. Well, you know, many know Elizabeth Elliot, the topic of your current book, through her books, especially through Gates of Splendor, um, Shadow of the Almighty, and you've written pages and pages about her life after spending three years digging into who she was. So how would you introduce Elizabeth to those who've Never heard of her. Yeah, she's an interesting character because of people of a certain age, she's well known. She was uh, a renowned missionary whose husband, Jim Elliott, was killed by an indigenous people group that uh, he and four of his colleagues were trying to reach with the gospel back in Ecuador in 1956. So Elizabeth Elliott went on to write two dozen books. She spoke on platforms all over the world and was quite a, a well-known thinker and one of the few evangelical women leaders in the second half of the 20th century. So, but for a, a rising generation, it's like, who's Elizabeth Elliot? I have uh, twins who are 25 years old. And, and I was saying to them, what does it matter that I've written this, you know, <laughs> lovely book about Elizabeth Elliot? And they were saying, well, you know, she, people today, millennials and younger, are looking for an authentic hero. They're looking for people who really lived out their faith, no matter how radical the cost. Uh, it doesn't hurt that she did this in a very exotic location in the Amazon jungle. She went and lived among the very people who had killed her husband. Who does that? 
Right. But she and and fellow missionary Rachel Saint, the sister of one of the other missionaries who was killed by the indigenous people group, uh, they lived among them. And because of these courageous women's examples of, of, of forgiveness and love, the uh, the tribal people, the Waodani, saw there was a different way to live. They learned to embrace forgiveness, and they learned, many of them, to follow Jesus, who had been, in fact, speared for all of our sins. So hmm. there's a dramatic story here, but what I wanted to uncover was this this Elizabeth Elliot, who, the real person, and we can talk more about that in a minute, perhaps. Yes, absolutely. I have a lot of questions about that. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, we mentioned the books that she wrote about her own experience and also about her husband, Jim. Um, Did you find reading those books helpful or not helpful as you wrote your biography of her? Right. Well, I had grown up reading those books, basically, and so they were familiar to me, and that was the picture in my head of Elizabeth Elliot. And uh, those are, are beautifully done books, but there's a certain cerebralness to them, if you will. Uh, and so I admired Elizabeth Elliot a lot, but I wasn't sure I liked her much. She seemed very remote and, and sort of severe. And then to my surprise, I became her, her authorized biographer. And then as I had all of her journals, all of these, these closely written, beautiful handwriting, beautifully expressed journals in real time of her life unfolding, I found the woman who was very relatable and very funny, great sense of humor, which I always enjoy. And, um, and so it was my hope to reveal to the reader this kind of surprising more intimate, more relatable side of Elizabeth Elliot. Yes, it must have been interesting to read. You know, uh, you, you think as you write a journal, well, hmm, what if I, <laughs> what if I die and who's going to read this? You know, uh, especially if you have something on paper. So it's, it's yeah, interesting yeah. that you can look back on her innermost thoughts now. And she was quite the writer. She certainly was. It made me think, hmm, maybe I should burn some of my journals, (laughs) you know, back from my high school days or my 20s or whatever. But, um, yeah, her her journals, I have them from when she was eight years old, written in sort of stubby pencil where the journal on the outside, it says, uh, no boys allowed, you know, for girls only. (laughs) And uh, so... And then all the way through the years, and you see this young woman, very idealistic, very, in some ways, legalistic in terms of her faith, very committed. And she goes to the mission field, and then the things that happened to her in Ecuador, really, you can see God's hand working in her life, shaping the woman she would become. And that's why this book, obviously, is called Becoming Elizabeth Elliot, the second volume, which will come out later tells the rest of the story but mm-hmm. this is it's sort of a fresh take it's how did she become this this person yes I, I think it is a fresh take it's great to see this through your eyes and you you just were privileged to get inside her mind and her heart let's look back at Elizabeth's early years who was she growing up or uh, I understand that her family called her Betty isn't that right yeah so she was known as Betty Elliot all through her 
uh, childhood and growing up years and really until she came to the U.S. and her books became well known and then she became known by her author name, Elizabeth Elliot. But young Betty grew up in a, a strong Christian home um, that was extremely disciplined and nothing was out of place and everything was in order and one's uh, the outpouring of one's faith was often indicated by how tidy one was. And so you can read between the lines and get a sense of that. And that was reinforced by the, the strong Christian boarding school she went to in high school. And so she was already a very dutiful young person, really wanting to do the right thing. And so that's where I say I think that her faith had a tendency maybe where you check off all the boxes. Have I done this? Have I done this? Have I done that? And I think that's a temptation for many of us in our faith, you know, to uh, to perhaps become subtly more works-oriented than grace-oriented. And so from my perspective, I think her younger years were shaped in wonderful ways, but also in some ways that maybe she had to unlearn that equated faith with uh, doing, if you will. Yes, I so, think many of us yeah. have to overcome that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that, too, was something that I found relatable. And so in her family of origin and then in the boarding school, and then she went to Wheaton College. Uh, if you're familiar with that at the time, it was a bastion of evangelicalism in mid-20th century America. And she received a great education there, but also very much in a Christian bubble, if you will. And from there, she uh, decided, and led by God, to go to the mission field. She had a tremendous uh, linguistic gifting, and so she majored in Greek. Her intention was to use uh, that as a basis for language translation on the mission field for previously untranslated languages to render them into the New Testament. So uh, she she had quite a, a journey that she followed in terms of how God guided her, but also her natural giftings leading her towards something that made a lot of sense in terms for her vocationally. And in college, of course, she fell deeply, passionately in love with Jim Elliott, who is quite a, uh, a wild character, if you will. And it was fun to write about him in the book. He is well known to many, but again, seeing him through Elizabeth's eyes, young Betty Elliott's eyes, their love story became more flesh and blood to me and less cerebral. So now was he, he was also a, he was also a Greek major, was he not? Yes, and that's really what drew them close. She was better in Greek than he was, and so they would study together. <laughs> she was a smart cookie, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were both, oh my gosh, they were brilliant in terms of their uh, their letters, their journal entries, and, and many of those have been published. But mm -hmm. Elizabeth's journals have never been published. And so again, to, to see... Uh, for me, in researching this book, what she was writing uh, that readers are familiar with, maybe in some of her letters, et cetera, but then to see what was in her journal and her, her passionate love for Jim, her, I don't know how many of us could have lasted through a five-year courtship where he could not make up his mind whether God <laughs> intended him to be <laughs> single or not. You know, uh, many of us would have gone running, um, but the way that she she 
was determined in everything in her life, even when she was young, to kind of put it before God. Lord, this is what I desire more than anything. But if it's your will, please, please, you know, let me marry Jim. But if not, I I submit all to you. And that's what the takeaway from both the young Elizabeth Elliot and the older woman whose writings we're all familiar with is, is this steely kind of obedience to Christ, no matter what. And I think in this book, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot, you see more clearly and more poignantly than ever in the aftermath of Jim's murder, just the, the, the sense inside of her of truly grieving, passionately grieving the loss of her husband, but always seeking, Lord, show me what's the next right thing you want me to do. It helped me in my own faith, I'll tell you that. Mm. Well, yes, uh, you write of their relationship purgatory. I love those two words (laughs) together. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite a journey toward their marriage. And then to think that it ended after they were only married three years, I believe. Yes, yes. And that that journal in particular is so poignant. It's a small leather-bound journal, and it begins uh, just about the time she starts that journal writing of, of her um, life, around the time they were married. And then, even before the journal is finished, he is killed. Hmm. And she closes out that journal saying, who would have known that this slender volume would entail the whole course of my marriage? Yes, amazing. Yeah. Well, she she learned uh, throughout her Christian life how to take up her cross and die mm. daily, did she not? Yes, yes, and and that's not a very cheerful notion, is it? <laughs> right, right. I think it's very countercultural, particularly today. There's a lot of emphasis on personal fulfillment and self-realization, and and that is that is natural. But what I really saw in, in Jim and Elizabeth Elliot as wonderful, flawed, earnest people uh, who we can relate with is this desire that, yes, I am going to take up my cross, and I will seek to follow Jesus no matter how I feel, and no matter what other people say. They were both quite strong in that. And I think that's a takeaway for us today. And what I saw in Elizabeth's life, too, was that it's really, it's, it's, it's mystical, it's countercultural, it is the radical way of the gospel from the beginning, that it is in dying to self, that we are absolutely liberated, that we find real life. And so, to me, as I was writing this story, and what I've tried to impart to the reader is this sense of, of the, the joy and the liberation and that lies beyond the death to self that does not sound very fun at all. <laughs> there, there's a reason for all of this suffering in Elizabeth's life. Yes, yes. And she famously said, suffering is not for nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's a mystical thing, really, that in the midst of suffering, and what I like about her is she, she defined it like this. She said, suffering is having something you don't want, 
or wanting something you don't have. Hmm. And sometimes we can think, oh, suffering's only the horrible things if your husband is speared to death or, you know, things like that. And yes, of course, that is suffering. But it also, it's down in the, the ordinary day-to-day mode we all live in, where there are little sufferings in the midst of each day. And in, a, in an astonishing way, Jesus can be present with us in the midst of that suffering. We needn't run away from it. Um, Elizabeth Elliot loved the writings of the Irish missionary Amy Carmichael, who said, in, in acceptance is peace. And as we accept the sufferings, we accept the things that are chafing us or driving us crazy or, or so painful, there is a certain peace that comes. And that's where we meet Jesus in a way that we cannot meet him when all is going wonderfully. Well, I see suffering as a theme of her life for a purpose. Do you yeah. do you have other themes as you look back on the big picture of her life? What other themes come to mind? Yeah, I certainly thought suffering is something for which she's well known. And, um, you know, another theme that for me was very much an organic part of writing the book is um, learning how to see. Um, the young Betty Elliot, her dad was a, a bird watcher, and he taught his kids to really notice detail and to see if they're on a walk in the woods, not just take it in, but to, to look and to really observe. And when Elizabeth Elliot was in the jungle, um, she was taught by the famous photographer Cornell Kappa how to take photographs, to really see through the lens of the camera what is. And as that, I think that's so tied to the scriptures. So, oh Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Uh, enlighten the eyes of my heart. And I think as believers, we are always called to see what is not physically evident, but what is uh, spiritually a reality, and to see the people who are otherwise marginalized or in need of help. So that theme of, of learning to see kind of runs through the whole book, and it, it will in the second volume of her life as well. I wonder how she came to see her role in world missions and the way people mm. looked at her as a missionary. <laughs> I'm laughing because much of what she writes in the journals, which people can read in the book, uh, has to do with she felt like there was a certain view of missionaries that was way too tidy and kind of like a, a happy story of, of what missionaries were expected to be like, these sort of perfect people uh, doing work that never ran into any problems in the field and reporting back glorious, triumphal results, so to speak. Mm-hmm. She wrote a lot about that, and she wrote about the fact that we are all um, people like the heroes of the scriptures who have uh, inadequacies and brokenness and sins and imperfections and and how God uses us anyway. And sometimes the way that he works, both in our lives here at home and in missions, per se, is through brokenness, is through almost imperceptible change rather than glorious, wonderful, 
statistics that we can report back. She also, I think, for a 1950s missionary, had a very modern view of missions. And Jim Elliott before his death, and certainly Betty Elliott working alongside with him, they really discipled and trained up indigenous leadership in the Quechua tribe with whom they were working at the time of Jim's death, and and Betty worked with them after his death, and equipping uh, indigenous leadership rather than the old model of the Western missionary coming in and being the leader. And I love that about both of them. Yes, they were rather forward-thinking in that. Yeah, I think so. So Elizabeth and Jim had a daughter, Valerie Elliott Shepard. She certainly had an unusual upbringing. So (laughs) where is she now as an adult? Oh, well, Val is a wonderful person and has become a close and dearly loved friend through this whole process. She's the one, of course, who gave me all of her mother's journals quite an entrustment and a stewardship that for me. Uh, and she, her husband is a retired uh, pastor, and they have eight children and uh, dozens of grandchildren, I believe. And uh, so they are living happily in retirement. And Val grew up this, this small, blonde, very sunny personality child in the jungle with poisonous snakes everywhere and, and living among naked people and not thinking twice about it. And uh, she really has an adventurous spirit that has um, carried her through all of her life. That's interesting that you've really gotten to know her well uh, and become friends. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, as we come to a close, the biographer often stays in the background because the focus is on the person they're writing about. But would you please share how you relate to Elizabeth on her journey? I mean, what have you been enduring in your own life while working on this extensive project? Mm, Well, that's kind of you to ask, Chris. Uh, Two things. One is, yes, the biographer is telling the story of the person. Uh, At the same time, I felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't also kind of point to some transferable truths from Elizabeth Elliot's life that, that hold fast for all of us. And, and that was really reinforced by my journey. It was uncanny to me that as soon as I started this project, my husband's brain cancer, which had been in remission for some years, really came back with a vengeance. And he had massive, enormous emergency surgery, brain surgery, and a very long recovery almost died several times and I found myself reading Elizabeth Elliott's journals while I was sitting in in, uh, intensive care waiting rooms or or in operating waiting rooms and uh, sitting by my husband's bed reading about Elizabeth Elliott losing her husband when the loss of my own husband was not just you know seemingly remote thing, but in fact could be immediate. And in the long weeks and months and now years of, of my husband's recovery, uh, which is the, the cancer is still present, and it is an ongoing thing that we deal with every day, I have found that the things I learned from Elizabeth Elliott's life 
have held me in good stead. To put it sort of crassly, they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the principles of faith that held her steady on the rock of Jesus Christ in the midst of suffering have held me in my own suffering. And that's something that I just hope for readers of this book they can take away, whatever it is that a reader might be dealing with. God is with you. And I experienced that deeply in the writing of the book. And it's something that has, has, to this day, carries me forward in a very unknown future, very precarious future. Hmm. Well, it's a beautiful thing, then, that you became the authorized biographer of Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. And listeners, the good news is the first book is out, and it doesn't stop there. (laughs) There's another book coming out. Ellen, uh, what is the name of the next book? Well, you only name the baby after it's born, so we'll see. Okay. All right. You're still working <laughs> might, on that you know, one, we, huh? <laughs> it's a, you, would, you could call it Elizabeth Elliot, the rest of the story, but that's not a good book title. But that's that, what it will be. That's about. the working title, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And, and by the way, what is your husband's name so that uh, many in our audience might want to be praying for him and for you? Oh. oh, well, bless you. His name is Lee, L-E-E, Levon. Ah, that's right. We mentioned that he is a pastor, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Well, uh, the website that we want to point people to, actually there are two of them. One is Ellen's own website. That's Ellen Vaughn, and you spell your last name V-A-U-G-H-N, ellenvaughn.com. And also ElizabethElliotBooks.com. And Elizabeth spells her name with an S, just to, you know, be different, I guess. <laughs> but And Elliot with one T. So ElizabethElliotBooks.com and EllenVaughn.com. Thank you so much, Ellen, for uh, sharing with us not only Elizabeth Elliot's life, but some of your own. And we do appreciate and pray for you. Oh, Chris, thanks so much. The Lord bless you. And you. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. And be sure to check out our other new podcast on the ever-growing Charisma Podcast Network. You can find out about all of those shows at cpnshows.com, cpnshows.com. And thanks for listening today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.